Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for February 21st, 2018. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a bunch of news, including directors for James Bond 25, Dungeons and Dragons, and the live-action Pinocchio movie. Netflix acquires more talent. Disney plans reboots of Muppets, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and a bunch of other classics. Jurassic World 3 gets officially announced, and uh, we will find out what Donald Glover did on Black Panther. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Slash Home Writers Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, let's uh, let's start this off. We have a lot of director discussion today on today's podcast. Um, last night, while I was at my screening of Annihilation, which is awesome, by the way, um, oh, Chris, you still haven't seen it yet. I'm seeing it tonight, actually. My screening is tonight. I'm very interested to hear what you think of this movie, and also, I'm I'm kind of wondering. You've read the whole book series, yeah, I have. Yeah, I actually just reread the first book. Although I hear the movie isn't literally nothing like the books, I am curious to see how that turns out. Well, after seeing this movie, number one, I don't think they're ever going to make a sequel. <laughs> Unfortunately, I just don't think general audiences are going to love this movie, but it, it is great. But number two, I'm very curious how the books deal with, you know, the future storyline of this. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to talk to you after you see the movie. Uh, but let's just jump into the news. I'm sorry, I got uh, sidetracked there. Uh, last night when I was at my Annihilation screening, news broke out that Danny Boyle is the front runner to direct James Bond 25. HT, you were around to write this up. What do we know? Yeah, so a Variety report revealed that Danny Boyle is the top choice to be the James Bond 25 director. Uh, So MGM and Eon are currently eyeing him uh, to direct the next Bond film. And while no no formal offer has yet been made, he's reportedly high on their list to helm the movie. Uh, Sources also told Variety that White Boy Rick director Jan Demange is also a top choice, but that MGM and Eon are making one last push for a more high-profile director. 
Now I know, um, you know, on on Slash Film, our resident Bond experts are Jacob Hall and Ben Pearson. Neither of them are on this podcast. Who do you think out of this group is the biggest Bond fan? No, I like. Um, I mean, I like the recent Daniel Craig iterations, and I watched, you know, all the Pierce Brosnan ones. But I, I'll be honest, uh, I have not seen any of the old James Bond movies. Oh wow! Uh, not yeah, that I would consider I... them great movies, but you should check at least one of them out (laughs) i've been i've been meaning to just take some time and run through them you know spread out over a period of time um part of it kind of seems daunting but yeah i i love skyfall skyfall was actually my favorite movie of 2012 so yeah i grew up during the pierce brosnan james bond movies so they always felt like they never left a big impact on me, and that was always the sort of effect that James Bond movies have had on me. I just kind of see them, and I enjoy them, but then I kind of forget after a while, except for Skyfall, which I really loved, and um, some of the other Daniel Craig movies. I haven't actually seen Spectre. I missed that one. But yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as Brad. I have seen like bits and pieces of the old Bond films from the 60s and 70s, but because of cable reruns and whatever, but... Uh, overall, I'm not a huge fan of James Bond. Yeah. yeah, I'm also not a huge fan of James Bond. I've seen some of the older ones. Don't you know they're too campy for me. Uh, I didn't like Pierce Brosnan. I do. Uh, I do like the the new iteration with um, Daniel Craig. So uh, I guess you know we haven't talked to we we haven't found out what Chris thinks of James Bond. I'm gonna guess that he doesn't like James Bond, but he's seen every single movie. No, they're fine. Um... <laughs> I haven't. I. Uh, they all sort of blend together to me, honestly. I mean, the older ones, they're they're fine. I mean, Goldfinger is really good. That's probably like the best of the Connery ones. And I loved uh, Casino Royale. I think that's actually a, one of the best written recent blockbusters in recent memory. So that movie is very good. Skyfall is fine. Spectre was not good. So uh, I don't know. It seems like the newer Bond, the Craig Bonds, they're they're hit or miss. They make one good one, and the one they make after it isn't that good, which I guess means this one should be good by default because Skyfall <laughs> was good, Spectre wasn't good, which means this one by default should be good. So I guess we'll see. That, that, that is a good theory. Uh, so, Brad, I, th- I take it you're probably the biggest Bond fan out of this bunch. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Danny Boyle tackling the series. Um, I guess he could do a decent job. Um, he hasn't really done a movie along, the, like, as far as, uh, action is concerned since, uh, 28 Days Later. And I feel like, I don't know, I just, I, the thing that I, I, Danny Boyle knows how to direct, obviously, but sometimes I think his style gets in the way of just letting the movie do its thing. Like, uh, there's some choices he made in Steve Jobs that I think kind of they're kind of distracting. Yeah, they're distracting, and it kind of held it back from being as good as like The Social Network, which was also scripted by Aaron Sorkin. Um, and so, even though I still love Steve Jobs and I've watched it several times, I just think that sometimes he gets a little bit too uh, bombastic with his style and things that he puts into the movie. Um, that could be good for James Bond, I guess. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, um, it would be interesting to see him do it. I, I still think Christopher Nolan would direct the hell out of a Bond movie. But as we know, he already said that he's not going to do this next one. So, Chris, do, do you have any more faith in Danny Boyle as the Bond director? Uh, I don't know. It's not the most exciting choice, but he might be okay. Uh, 
I liked Steve Jobs a lot too. Um, but I'm not like a huge Danny Boyle fan. Like I don't like Slumdog Millionaire. I think that's kind of a bad movie, honestly. Even though it won what? Best Picture. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm a bastard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he might do okay. I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's a sort of it's a wait and see sort of thing. I'll wait for the trailer to make up my mind. I guess. Yes, for sure. Um, we'll keep you updated as we continue to watch uh, do uh, do Bond watch, as we say. Um, let's move on to our other director news, and that is Disney's live action Pinocchio movie has found a director. Who is it, Brad? Uh, the director in question is Paul King, who uh, directed both of the Paddington movies and just recently was hired to write uh, the or direct the Willy Wonka origin story that's in development at Warner Brothers. So Disney just keeps chugging along, turning their classic animated movies into live action remakes. Um, Pinocchio seems probably like the least interesting one so far. Simply because there have been so many adaptations of this over the years that I just, I'm not sure it's a story that can really be injected with anything new to make it all that interesting. The only time that a recent Pinocchio project had any interest of me whatsoever is when Guillermo del Toro was working on a stop motion animated version of it and the character designs just looked incredible. Um, Unfortunately, that's not happening, but Disney's going to try and make Pinocchio work again. I imagine it will be quite different from the original animated movie because the original animated movie has uh pinocchio smoking and getting drunk and gambling on pleasure island with some other delinquent boys and that doesn't really sound like something that disney is going to be too keen on (laughs) yeah what is gonna what is pleasure Island? what does a live action pleasure ireland even look like under the realms uh the helm of uh disney today you know and and i wonder too if like it'll feel yeah i don't know um, because if it's going to be set during, you know, an older period, like the original Pinocchio was, I feel like there's only so many things that those characters can do that would be deemed inappropriate or, and delinquent behavior. And that, that's why it was smoking and drinking and gambling at the time the original Pinocchio was made in 1940. Um, you know, if it was a modern take, that would be something interesting, I guess, you know, maybe if you had like, and it sounds ridiculous even just talking about it, just cause I think the idea is dumb inherently. <laughs> But, like, if it was more modern, you would have people, you know, behaving vapidly through social media and, like, addicted to their phones and technology and all that nonsense. And uh, it sounds cliche and trite and, you know, like you would be saying stuff that we already know, almost like a high school, you know, uh, theater production that thinks it's making a big statement. Um, but, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not really excited about this. The only saving grace is that. Both of the Paddington movies are absolutely delightful, and so if anybody can turn this something, uh, turn this movie into something that people actually like and fall in love with, it's Paul King. So you know, maybe, maybe it'll I'll change my mind, and maybe it'll it'll be a pleasant surprise for me. I still have not seen either of the Paddington movies, but I've heard they're Paddington Two is so good. Yeah, I've heard you should go see it. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I should use my movie pass on that. I, I'm I'm like the one guy that is like. Um, I need to see Paddington 1 before I see Paddington 2. <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous. The original Paddington is on Netflix right now. I know, I know. Um, but, I mean, one thing Paul King has going for him, he definitely uh, is able to shoot live-action hybrid. You know, obviously Pinocchio is probably going to be some kind of hybrid form of animation 
or performance capture you'd think right so um he seems right down it, it seems right down his alley but let's move on to another uh director announcement and that is for the dungeons and dragons movie uh it has eyed lego batman movie director chris mckay tell us about it, hd yeah so uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie may, or Chris McKay is reportedly in talks to direct the Dungeons and Dragons movie for uh, Paramount Pictures. So this is a feature film adaptation that has been planned uh, for a while now, and that Paramount is planning for a summer 2021 release date, along with a slew of other feature film adaptations of Hasbro toy lines, including G.I. Joe and uh, other such game adaptations. So this is um, Chris McKay's next feature film after Lego Batman and also Warner Brothers Nightwing movie, which he has been developing for a little bit now, but we don't really know much about casting or story or whether that will come before or after the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Now, uh, have any has anybody here played Dungeons and Dragons? Nope. <laughs> okay, some more silence. I, I, I have played uh, a couple times, and it's just not something that I easily got into, which it's, it's which so, is strange it's, because I would think you, you your comedy improv kind of sensibilities, I think, would take take that on. Well, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I don't know. It's such a strange disconnect that I have from it because I... I'm fascinated by how people play the game uh, in groups and like the community aspect to it there is and how they interact and how like you're supposed to be acting like you are this group on a quest and all that thing. But I just, for whatever reason, even though I love movies and I can easily suspend my disbelief and I can get lost in a story, I cannot bring myself to treat a Dungeons and Dragons quest as a real thing that has stakes. Like, if I would play it and I would just do what I want, I would be the guy fucking everything up because I wouldn't <laughs> take it seriously. I just, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to get invested in it as if, you know, it were a real story that I was existing in. I, I don't know why, but I've just, I've always had a problem getting into it. Yeah, I've only played it once. It wasn't my thing. Uh, it seemed, you know, Dungeons Dragons universe seems heavily kind of like Tolkien-esque. It, like, I'm wondering what would a Dungeons and Dragons movie bring to the table of fantasy uh, adaptations that other films haven't already done. Like, what what is unique about Dungeons and Dragons? Does do, do does anybody here have an idea? Uh, I honestly think the most unique thing about it is the sort of choose your own adventure element, which I feel like a feature film adaptation would take away from that aspect. So I don't know. I feel like it would be difficult to make a Dungeons and Dragons movie just because there's no real story, and that it will just seem kind of like every other fantasy film like you're saying peter so i don't know yeah um but you know mckay is really talented the lego batman movie uh did a great job of balancing the satire and heart of legos and batman so he i'm sure he could pull it off but it's a it's a difficult job just to like build it from the ground up essentially I mean, I feel like if you're doing a Dungeons and Dragons movie, it has to be like Jumanji, where it's people from our world that get sucked into the game. Like, I just don't think if you do, if you do do it as straight fantasy, like a straight fantasy movie, I, I just don't think there's a point. Unless what you're saying, like you know, you do a choose your own adventure kind of thing, which I don't think is possible in the movie theater. Although, uh, did you guys ever? When I was young, when when I was in high school, 
the local movie theater actually had like for a time like one theater dedicated to kind of these motion like movies experiences and for a time they actually had like some I want to say like 20, 30 minute movie experiences that you had like this remote in your hand and you, you chose between two different options. And depending on what all the people in the movie theater chose was what, you know, path you'd take. Did anybody, had, had anybody experienced that? No. More that silent. No, More no silent. but that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I read choose your own adventure books. That's the closest I experience yeah. I have to that. I know Netflix is working on doing some choose your own adventure content for the future. Right? We've heard rumors of Black Mirror doing an episode. Um, uh, so I don't know. Maybe they could do it for Netflix. But this is a feature film. I don't know. But speaking of Netflix, Netflix is continuing to uh, basically uh, suck up all the talent in the known universe. They have acquired uh, the Duplass brothers for the ne- the next four films. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, so Netflix, uh, they have this never-ending quest to get as much original content as they possibly can. Uh, they recently signed deals with uh, Shonda Rhimes, Ryan Murphy, uh, Martin Scorsese has a movie coming out with them sometime soon. And now they've roped in uh, the Duplass brothers, who uh, they traffic in the indie film world. They're, they make mumblecore is the, the subgenre they're most known for. They've made films like uh, Jeff Who Lives at Home and uh, The Overnight, uh, you know, stuff like that. The so, Puffy Chair was one of my favorites from them. Right. Yeah, and, they made and, that too. And they're known for making things on a very low budget. They they create a uh, outline of some sort, and they get good actors to come in there and actually basically, I don't want to say improv the movie, but there's a lot of creative freedom there because there's, it's such a low budget and such a you know uh, low stakes to it. Um, Right, yeah, they're very they're very character oriented films. They don't really rely a lot on like plot or you know big things like that. It's very low key character comedies and dramedies. Uh, so yeah, now they they've signed a deal for a, a four picture deal with Netflix, and they have the first film they're going to make is something it doesn't have a title yet, but it stars Ray Romano, and it's due out sometime this year on Netflix. So. Uh, yeah, their next four films are going right to Netflix, and so that just seems to be the future of film at this point, where everyone is just signing deals with Netflix. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's strange. I, like I feel like um, you know, back in the olden days of Hollywood, you know, directors would have you know, directors and stars would have these deals with the studios that would basically prohibit them from doing work elsewhere, and I feel like. We're kind of going back to that with Netflix. Like everybody's going to be signed up to Netflix, and we're not going to have any talent uh, anywhere else except for Disney, I assume. Uh, but let's move on to Disney. And uh, Disney is starting up their own uh, streaming service, and have announced uh, or not announced, but the, 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 there is rumors that they're going to bring back a bunch of things. Brad, you wrote up a series of articles for the site. Uh, tell us what is in the plans. Disney's working on a streaming service, which is supposed to launch sometime in the fall of 2019. There's no specific date that's supposed to start yet, and there's no price point as to how much it's going to cost each month. Um, but Disney's already working on projects specifically for this subscription service. Before, we talked about some of the things that they have in the works, uh, include a, a new Star Wars series. They're also working on a, a reboot of Lady and the Tramp. Uh, they've got an Anna Kendrick Christmas comedy uh, the movie Magic Camp's going there. 
And uh, now one of the new series that they're hoping to start up there is a reboot of The Muppets that will be available exclusively on the streaming service. Uh, this comes after The Muppets attempted to reboot back in 2015 with a, a, basically what was a, a documentary-style workplace comedy on ABC. And it was not very well received at the time. It, uh, the ratings didn't do too well. Critically, it was pretty mixed, if, if not more negative than anything. Yeah, a, 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 lot of, a lot of longtime fans of the Muppets were upset over the series because it was kind of edgy and uh, the characters were doing things that probably were out of character for them. Uh, uh, the guy that played Kermit for the, you know, ever since Jim Henson, like, kind of left the company uh, partially over this. Um, and Frank Oz, one of the Muppet, uh, one of the original Muppet performers had been vocal against how horrible it was. So I'm interested to see if this new series for for the Disney streaming service will be more in line with the classic Muppets. Yeah. The show uh, from ABC in 2015 only lasted a season. So that's not coming back anytime soon. And it'll be interesting to see if they can do something that kind of returns the Muppets to their former glory. I, I feel like every new iteration of the Muppets has never really come close to the original greatness of the Muppet show. And even the movies that were released in the late seventies and eighties, uh, the, the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper, and Muppets Take Manhattan are all fantastic. Um, There's definitely children of the 90s that like Muppet Treasure Island and A Muppet Christmas Carol, which I think are fine, but still aren't as good as the, those original three movies. Um, personally, I, 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 think, I, I think Muppets from Space, or wait, Muppets in Space, is an underrated uh, Muppets classic. I wasn't a big fan of Muppets from Space. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's just, I just didn't really enjoy it that much. I, I personally... I thought Muppets Tonight, the series that was on ABC in the the mid to late 90s, was actually pretty good. Um, But, yeah, otherwise, uh, I think the closest we've come to having the the greatness of the original Muppets is probably the Muppets movie that James Bobin directed and Jason Segel co-wrote and starred in. But I just don't know if there's anybody out there who can effectively deliver a Muppets series that is faithful to Jim Henson's original creation and captures the spirit of the Muppets um, for more than just a hot minute. It seems like everyone who's done Muppets so far, like they've captured it once and then like, can we do it again? And then after the Muppets, you know, we got Muppets most wanted and that was really disappointing. So I just don't, I don't know. It's well, they need, they need somebody to, to do it. I just, I'm not sure that there's anybody that can do it effectively. Well, he, here's my thoughts on this is Disney is very protective of their brands. Um, you know, after that, that great Muppets movie that you're talking about, uh, um, you know, they made a really poor sequels that um, what was that uh, Muppets uh, Muppets Most Wanted Muppets I just Most said, Wanted yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to see you know these the Muppeteers the puppeteers behind the pup, uh, puppets uh, have a bigger creative role in this uh, Jim Henson's son Brian Henson does this thing in LA every once in a while called uh, Puppets Unleashed Puppets uh, Unstrung something something like that where he has a bunch of uh, those guys that you know uh, voice and act all the the Muppets and they do these original characters and it's kind of like an improv show where like they're taking suggestions from the crowd and doing things live and it's uh, it's kind of R-rated and stuff I don't expect Disney to do that but I would love to see a new version of the Muppet uh, the Muppets Tonight or you know like the, a variety show where it is live it's like a Saturday Night Live version of the Muppets uh, where you know you know obviously it's scripted but there's the chance of things going wrong and there's the chance of having like those those kind of moments that you love from SNL, Fred. Uh that would be 
awesome to see actually you know it, it would be interesting actually to see if you they could do that and like cross it with the idea um because I kind of had this nugget of an idea in the most recent Muppet show because it was all about the making of a late night uh, TV show starring Miss Piggy. But if they could do like a an, a Studio 60 kind of show, but they actually do the sketches and they do them live and it's uh, funny rather than the sketches <laughs> that were on Studio 60, um, that would that would be really interesting. Actually, I'd like to I'd like to see like a. Uh, almost like a 30 Rock meets the Muppets kind of thing. Because I will say those Muppeteers are talented as F because, you know, I've interviewed uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy and all the people on, like, the last two Muppet movies. And when you're asking them off-the-cuff questions, you're getting answers that you would swear are scripted by a team of comedy writers in a comedy, you know, writer's room. Like, they are so on the ball, and I would love to see, you know, them doing that kind of thing. But uh, the Muppets isn't the only thing that they're working out for this new streaming service. Uh, there's going to be a line of reboots. What do we know? Yeah, supposedly Disney is also working on bringing a new line of original films to the streaming service. I mentioned some of them before, but this is the first time we're hearing about uh, three potential reboots that are being eyed. Uh, one of them is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids from 1989. Another one is Father of the Bride from 1991, which uh, in itself is a remake of a 1950 movie. And The Parent Trap, uh, which was another remake from 1998, I think, uh, with young Lindsay Lohan, which was also a remake of a, an older movie as well. So these these aren't movies that are moving forward for sure. Uh, it doesn't say that they're in active development, but just merely that Disney is looking at them for reboot potential. And they all each have their own possibility. I think for, personally, I think the one that is ripe for a remake and has been for years is Honey I Shrunk the Kids, simply because the special effects technology we have at our disposal now allows them to do so many new and cool things uh, with the concept of shrinking people and having them stuck in the in the backyard if they, if that if they just choose to go with that story again. Uh, the special effects in the original movie actually actually still hold up pretty well for the most part. Um, so yeah, I don't know. As far as the other two, uh, Father of the Bride and the Parent Trap, not necessarily sure. We really need remakes of those. Um, you know, it seems like there's always a parent trap uh, wannabe every few years or so. There was the one with the Olsen twins in the 90s. I think It Takes Two, it was called. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, Father of the Bride, I, I'm, I'd be interested in if they brought back Steve Martin and Diane Keaton somehow. But I'm not sure that I'm as invested if it's with an entirely new cast. But that's simply because uh, I love the Father of the Bride remake. It's one of my favorite romantic comedies. Um, HT, did you grow up with any of these films? What What are your thoughts? I grew up with the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap movie, and also Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I remember actually one of the first uh, 4D movies I saw, or like where you go in and you get like water splash on you, was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. So that was a really cool experience for me. But Parent Trap was a movie that I had on VHS. I think I still have it somewhere, actually, and I watched it a wait, million wait, times. Wait, 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 hold up. on. You you still have a VHS collection? Oh yeah, I haven't thrown away any of my VHSs. <laughs> I have all my Disney movies on VHS. Actually, I one <laughs> my I bought one of the last DVD VHS players before they went out of like production, so I still have that, so I can watch my VHS movies, and it still like somewhat works. Okay, I, I need to do a poll here. Um, Chris, do you own any VHS tapes? I mean, I probably still have some laying around. I don't, I don't own a VHS player, so they're 
practically worthless, but I do have them somewhere in my house. Somewhere in your house. Brad, do you have a collection of VHS movies? Uh, I don't have them at my house, but at my parents, we still have my old Disney clamshells and some of the other VHS tapes that I had when I was a kid. I'm wondering if those Disney clamshells are worth money at this point. Some of, some of them are, but most of them are just garage sale fodder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, HT. I, I cut you off when you were talking about... Um... Parent Trap. Parent Trap. Go ahead. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was one that I grew up watching a lot and I really loved. So um, yeah, I I would watch another Parent Trap movie, I guess, even though I think the Lindsay Lohan one was pretty close to perfect. Um, but that's just like my rose-colored glasses seeing it as such. So yeah, I mean, I guess like they're fine fodder for remakes. I have no sort of um, protests against it, but and if they're, they're simple enough stories, they can be remade time and time again, I'm sure. Here's my problem. I, I do think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids would be a great remake, especially with today's technology, as Brad mentioned. But they're making these for the streaming service, so they're probably going to have a low budget. I would like to see a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie in theaters. I think, you know, uh, if you had the full disposal of, you know, uh, you know, James Cameron's avatar technology and all that stuff to, to put you in a world, you know, a micro world like that. Why not do it? And why not do it in 3D? Why not do it on the big screen? Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that these movies, we, we should assume these movies will have low budgets simply because, I mean, Netflix is spending a lot of money on original movies uh, right now. And so Disney has plenty of money to throw around. And if anything, they might throw a lot of money into these movies because they want to give people something enticing to make sure that they sign up for this subscription series. So you know, I feel like, you know, maybe it won't be cheaper than we are anticipating. You, you do bring up a good point. Like, I feel like we grew up in an age of, uh, you know, Disney was making direct-to-DVD sequels of their animated classics. And it was always like these, you know, really poorly made, horrible things. And, you know, uh, in the 2000s, we had, like, all those Bring It On movies, direct-to-DVD. And, you know, usually... When stuff is direct to DVD or direct to TV, you you traditionally think of it being kind of like this lower budget, uh, crappily made affair. But you know Netflix is changing those things. Uh, you know, obviously Amazon is changing those things as well. So I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Disney's attitude towards you know a direct to uh, VOD project is going to be change i mean i guess magic camp and some of the other stuff that they were working on was originally going to be theatrical so so i, I think you're probably right brad i think uh t times are changing um but uh let's move on to jurassic world 3 universal has officially announced that it will hit theaters in 2021 chris what do we know Yes, Jurassic World 3 has a uh, release date now of June 11th, 2021. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, who directed the first film and wrote uh, the first and the second film, is coming back to write the script with uh, Emily Carmichael, who uh, had a previous deal with Amblin uh, for a film called Powerhouse that Trevorrow and Steven Spielberg were going to produce. So she has a, a history working with Trevorrow and uh, you know, that's, that's really all we know, you know, obviously fallen kingdom, the second film isn't even out yet. So we don't really know how 
the story's going to unfold. Uh, Colin Trevorrow originally pitched Jurassic World as a trilogy, so this is likely the, the third and final film in his originally proposed trilogy. And in the past, he has said that the ending of Jurassic World 2, Fallen Kingdom, is going to sort of lead into the third film. So uh, once that film comes out, we'll probably have a better idea of what the third film is going to be. But I have a feeling it'll involve dinosaurs in some way. <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting that he is co-writing this film with uh, Emily Carmichael and not his uh, writing partner, Derek Connolly, which he's written everything from Safety Not Guaranteed to the two Jurassic World films to uh, Book of everybody forgets whatever the name of that was uh book of henry and um so yeah he's giving another writer a chance on this one and it's also worth mentioning i know uh trevorrow got a lot of criticism uh when jurassic world was uh released of um it just of uh you know being kind of he was kind of the picture of uh the white male that gets, you know, the big project without having to quote unquote work for it. And, you know, female directors getting the shaft and stuff. And uh, he, you know, there, there was, there was a lot of online discussion. We even posted some stuff on the site. Angie Han covered it. Like he sent us a letter. Um, but, uh, he, he, it took a lot of that to heart. Uh, when he was working on Star Wars episode nine, he, he purposely hired his, uh, producer was, um, uh, Michelle from Bad Robot. She left J.J. Uh, Abrams to uh, produce the film for him, and now she's back at Bad Robot, which is crazy. But um, it, it, it does seem like he's trying to uh, find some female talent in this industry and give them uh, give them opportunity, um, which is worth pointing out, I think. Um, but uh, since we don't know much about Jurassic World three, and we haven't seen Jurassic World two, I'm not sure if there's any more we can we could say about this. Do Brad HT? Do you have any thoughts? No, um, I, I'm in, I'm in pleased that he is giving a boost to more female filmmakers um, and producers behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't think that it was entirely uh, sort of his fault, I guess, that the discussion around uh, white male directors being propelled up uh, over female directors. But he it's good that he's reacting this way as opposed to I think he had sort of a knee-jerk reaction to begin with and this I think is the sort of his way as I don't want to say making amends but sort of uh, reaching out for that um and let's move on to our last story and that is Donald Glover if if, if you watched Black Panther and I'm not going to give any spoilers there but if you watched uh, Black Panther actually I guess this is a spoiler if you get to the end of the credits in the special thanks section it thanks Donald Glover. Um, so what did Donald Glover have to do with this film, H.D.? So Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover, who's uh, also an Atlanta writer uh, for the FX show that they work on together, uh, was given special thanks at the end credits of uh, Black Panther. Ryan Coogler recently spoke about how Donald and Stephen Glover gave him notes on a draft for the Black Panther script and that they came in and read and gave them some cool insight for the movie. So we don't know exactly what that cool insight is, but Donald Glover recently revealed uh, to Entertainment Tonight that he got to take a look at the script and he added some cool jokes to punch up the movie and or so he punched up some of the jokes uh, and stuff like that. 
So he said it was really cool to just get our fingerprints on there for a bit and that it was um, a real honor for him because Marvel usually locks things down. So he got a peek at the script before a lot of other people did. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Marvel does this a lot. They, you know, they brought in Dan Harmon on Doctor Strange to punch up some stuff. Um, Brad, you're a comedy expert. Did you feel any of Donald Glover in Black Panther? I don't think that I could necessarily specifically pick out any of his uh, jokes that he wrote for the movie or anything like that. Nothing really jumps out to me as something that, oh, man, that's totally a Donald Glover joke. Um, but this is uh, I, know, I, Marvel... feel, I feel like some of the the sister stuff I, I feel like could be Donald Glover that feels so in line with his humor maybe yeah I, maybe maybe her like flipping off Black Panther when uh, when uh, she, he first arrives back at Wakanda could be a Donald Glover joke I don't know but the, um, Marvel isn't the only one that brings in people like this to punch up scripts this is actually a common practice especially with uh, blockbusters and things like that they bring in comedians specifically to punch up scripts and add jokes uh, where they feel like they need them. So that's uh, that, that's definitely a common Hollywood practice, although you won't necessarily uh, always hear about it. Yeah, usually this stuff isn't reported. Uh, commonly, they the people won't even get a credit or even a special thanks credit. So, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you, you know, there, there, there are many, uh, I mean, you know, even Carrie Fisher had done some ghostwriting work on a lot of the scripts that she uh, she was part of and stuff that she wasn't part of and didn't get credit until years later uh, in the media. So, yeah, that that is common pro- practice. Uh, but this brings an end to, today, to today's uh, Slash Film Daily. Brad, where can we find more of your work online? Always on SlashFilm.com. I'm writing about the movies and the TV and the toys and the fun. Uh, also on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. And check out my podcast, Go Flix Yourself, on iTunes and other podcasting shenanigans. HT, where can we find you? You can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com. And I'm on Twitter at HTranBooey. Chris, where can we find you? I'm also at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at Evangelista 413 You can find me at SlashFilm.com. You can find all the stories uh, we talked about today on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Please go to iTunes. Give us a rating. Write us a review. That helps us out quite a bit. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>